And basically at that point we had a court date set and we were like, okay, we are going to do one more kind of Hail Mary. We're going to lay everything out for them. And then either they're going to drop the suit or we have to be prepared to go to litigation. What's going on, guys? We've got a really cool episode for you. This is a conversation with myself, Zach, and Misha about one of the big things that happened to us in our first year of business. It was a really scary time where we got sued by this billion-dollar company, one of our biggest competitors. Uh, it's a great episode with hopefully some good takeaways in terms of how you can get yourself you know, through these intense situations that can happen early on in business. Hope you enjoy it. How's it going? Good. It's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just coming off our our pre-podcast routine, which should we keep that a secret? We'll keep that a secret. You have to follow us on Instagram. Oh, they don't know what it is. No. Okay. Yeah, I'm a little sweaty right it's now. It's just like everybody, we always start the podcast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's after foreplay. <laughs> um, but yeah, so today we've got Misha on the podcast. Welcome, Misha. Welcome, Misha. This is your first podcast, right? Um, this is my first podcast, yeah. Okay. Yeah, super excited. So just Sweet. make sure you hold the mic up That's nice and close. Yeah, you can, you can, pull, you can pull it towards yourself. Oh, okay, yeah. everyone can hear me nice yeah. and good. Cool. Awesome. I want to hear your beautiful voice. Yeah. Yeah. So. Sex voice today. Yeah, so, so Misha, you and I are business partners yeah. for how long now? Ooh, 28 years? Yeah, about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, we, we knew each, we met each other back something like three or four years It'll ago. It'll be four years in January that we started working together at Lifetime. Uh, okay. And then we were there for under a year, just under a year together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's been a long time. It has. Shane and I used to, uh, our cubicles were next to each other, so we shared a wall. So yeah. whenever we were uh, upset or bored, we would throw paper and shit <laughs> at the person. And occasionally then we would leave and go for a midday uh, drink. Nice. Yeah, yeah, middle of the day. Nice. <laughs> middle nice. of the sales yeah. day. 1 yeah. p.m. Bellinis. I'm sure that's, that, that's definitely in like Lifetime's like code of conduct, yeah. too, for sure. Yeah, it's very. It's good for you. Yeah. yeah. That was an intense job. I can't believe we used to work in cubicles. Yeah. Like, so like six to seven days a week too. Like Fuck. you weren't getting days off. You know what's fucked about days. cubicles is that they like, they make them gray. Like, yeah. wh- like, wh- like you could make them any color. It doesn't yeah. cost more to make them any color. There must but be they, some reason to make for making them gray. Yeah. To suck out your soul. To suck out your soul. <laughs> yeah. So they know, so you know that they know they own you. <laughs> it was so intense because you're making these sales calls and you have people in your office and you're trying yeah. to sell them and everybody else can hear yeah. you. Oh, right. And it's like, oh, is he going to close them? Yeah. Is he going to close them? And we then he's like, oh, he's getting turned down. Whoever was on a sale, everyone else would be in the next cubicle, like hunched over being like, oh my God, someone go in and like give him back up. Like, <laughs> yeah. Or we'd all be at the, in the cubicle next yeah. to him like all their ears pressed up against the <laughs> yeah. wall like here and do a little good little uh good cop bad cop yeah yeah and we had these little microphones we'd walkie talkies it was so weird and we dressed like the guys shane wore a suit every day i was wearing heels it fucking sucked <laughs> walking around that gym all day in heels and then every time someone be like made a sale be like boom fire <laughs> and everyone would celebrate on the walkie talkies oh that's awesome yeah yeah we used, cool. we used to fuck with each other pretty hard yeah, we and we did. had some fun strategies yeah like we'd get like walk-ins that come in and then you're, yeah. you're there's like an ups rotation to deal with somebody walking into this lifetime's yeah. a health club 
case people don't know that. Mm -hmm. And so, so we'd have to try to sell these people memberships. And so like a walk-in would come in and then you're up on the rotation and then you got to go through like a full sales process with them. And we used to do fun, creative stuff like, Oh, these are two guys. Like (laughs) let's, I'm going to sub one of this. I'm not going to go. I'm going to get Rosa to go because she's going to be able to use the girl card with them. And then Rosa, I'll split the sales with you since I was the one that was Uh, up. Yeah. 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 It was pretty fun. So yeah, we were doing that. Times. We hated it. We hated our lives. Started getting drinks too often during the oh, day. Oh, yeah. It went from like we were celebrating to hitting this month. It was like, woo, yeah, yeah. to fuck my life. Get me out of here right now. <laughs> yeah. Actually, we uh, we barely hit quota one month we hit. And it was like the last possible minute. It was like 1130 p.m. And everyone's celebrating on the last night of the month that we hit quarter. And Shane puts me up on his shoulder and goes to squat me and stands up and his entire pants are ripped from like <laughs> top to <crotch. laughs> I used to buy suits too tight. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so when you guys are like at Lifetime and you said you like hated yourself, is that like retrospective? You're like, my life sucked or like in the moment, did you actually have those thoughts? You're like, this sucks. Like when you like, you would wake up, you'd put on your thing and then you'd go to work and be like, this sucks. Or is it like more like retrospectively looking back? Um, personally at the beginning, it was a lot of fun and like, I loved it we were working long days but the team just like jived so well and everyone got along and like we just had fun together that it sucked in the moment it was like this is hard or we have to make a hundred calls today to be on ups tomorrow and Mm -hmm. that was annoying but it was a lot of fun towards the end though it started to get to a point where it was like okay this really sucks you're working six or seven days a week because we were 100% commission and also um, if you're not hitting certain quotas each day then you don't get those walk-ins the next day you don't get as many leads and so the job becomes more difficult so if you're not performing every day it just makes every other day harder to hit your quotas and so it was frustrating because you would start to burn out and it's like but I can't take a day off because if I take a day off I'm gonna miss sales and I'm gonna miss walk-ins and so you were working six seven days sometimes 12 hours because we all had designated times that we would come in but you basically stay until your appointments show you stay until you close a deal and so towards the end it got to the point I think same for Shane is that it was just like I don't even want to go in anymore I remember pulling my car over on the highway being like I can't fucking do it. I can't do it again. Like, this is just way too much. And, like, I used to work in life insurance, and that was hard. I felt like a terrible person, but this was also just, like, emotionally draining towards the end. Right. Yeah. There was just – it got to the point where we were so pinched on expectations. Mm-hmm. They would do cra- – like, and we were absolutely micromanaged. Like, yeah. we had to get in there some days, and, and they had this system where we had to mark down to every half hour what we'd be doing in the yeah. day. And then we had expectations for call volume and the amount of people you were talking to. And they monitored every call, the yeah. durations of calls. And so, you know, you'd, you'd come into the office and the manager would call you in his office and be like, so yesterday you had a call that only lasted six seconds. Why did that only last six seconds? Were you fake calling somebody where it was, did it not? Like it was yeah. so micromanaged, right. it was ridiculous. Yeah. So the, the expectations were high. It was positioned to be a super hyper competitive environment. Mm-hmm. So you'd love everybody, but at the same time, you're, you know, you're killing each other. Like you're you're absolutely each killing each other. So yeah. like we just started building so much animosity towards yeah. each other and we had terrible managers at some yeah. point. So there was a lot that went wrong, but we love that job. Yeah. It was a great experience, Um, and I'm happy that I didn't stay, and I think Shane, you probably agree, is like we didn't stay longer. Like We recognized when it got to the point where it's like, okay, I'm so unhappy. There are better things out there for us, and just kind of left. Like we, I know some people who stayed much longer, right. and I'm just There's some people that like, get stuck there. Yeah. People get into these high-paying jobs, and then it's mm-hmm. just like the pain of leaving isn't worth 
yeah. the pain that they're that they're right. going through yeah. there because they don't and know where else they're going to find a paycheck like that. Yeah, right. that's yeah. the issue. Yeah. I, do you remember there was this one point so that we'd, we'd have to sell them the membership and then, then after we'd sell them the membership which was hard because it's like five times the price of any other gym yeah. then there'd be like a bunch of stuff we'd have to sell them on afterwards mm-hmm. and we'd have to book like their first personal training session with them yeah. and there was one point where if you didn't book the personal training session with them yeah. then you lost the whole pay <laughs> of the membership yeah. so you'd have to call a person. So you, you'd go through this person for like an hour and a half selling them a yeah. membership. They just want to leave. And then you got to be like, okay, I'm going to call a personal trainer down here to schedule you. And they're like, no, I don't want to do that. And if they didn't do it, you lost all your commission on the sale. Yeah. And Jeez. so you're trying to get them in. And then there was one point where one of our team members forgot and had to run out into the parking lot to try to chase the guy down to schedule his personal training session. Yeah. Yeah. It was, was it was, it was stupid, tough. But. And we, we used to have a thing called stand up, which was very interesting for a gym. So like lifetime's not just a regular gym. It's like, think of like a country club, but like for right. like an everyday person. So, um, or not everyday, like young professionals or professional families. Yeah. And so we would have these standups where every day at 2 PM, the person, the personal training managers and the sales team would be in a room and we would each have to get up and talk about the person that we signed the day before. And then we would also do a 14 day review. So it's like, okay, it's been 14 days and they didn't show up to their personal training session. Why didn't they show up? They don't have notes on their account. Like tell us all about them. Why don't, why aren't there notes on the account? And if you didn't have a green, like if they weren't green lit up saying that they did all these things, they bought the package, they went to their personal training right. session, they bought PT, then they would be grilling you as a sales rep being like, what did you do? Did you call them? Did you get referrals? Did you?" Do? And you're up there trying to present to everyone like, like this is my like, <laughs> new member. Yeah. And it was so intense that people then, the personal trainers would be like, why did you book them in with this person? You should have booked them in. It's like, man, I was just trying to book them in so I got the sale. <laughs> Yeah, it was intense. And we can't, yeah. tr- I, I wouldn't want to just trash Lifetime no. and leave it at that because yeah. there was a ton of really good stuff that I think oh, yeah. each of us got out of that. Lifetime Athletic has an awesome training program for mm-hmm. sales reps. Like they take the sales rep position very seriously yeah. there. They so send you to Minnesota. Yeah, so they hire yeah. you and then yeah. they send you to their headquarters with all the other salespeople for all the different locations, which they have mm-hmm. like a, hundreds of locations. Yeah. And then you go through this intensive sales training. It feels like The Apprentice. It does. That's mm-hmm. what it feels like. You have to go through real world situations, yep. classroom stuff, and they, they're constantly testing you, putting you through this. And if you don't pass a test, then you fail and you get sent home. So yeah. you have to pass every single test. Each day is a different thing. So one day it's like the buddy system where someone comes in with a guest and how do you treat the buddy or you get a walk-in. You have to do a gym tour and they make you do all of that and if you fail one you get sent home so there are people who failed on the very last day like a minor test and then they wouldn't get certified to be an account manager and they would get sent home and either their club can decide if they want to keep them on and resend them to next month's training or if they just say okay sorry you didn't get the job so after you get hired you have to go through this intensive sales process which is amazing because first of all you get to meet some really great people but then it really like that is the best training I've ever had for any job that I've ever had like even at CIBC like this training was the best because it was real world experience and it actually made you feel like a professional and typically people look at uh, a like a job at a gym as like, Oh, you worked at a gym, but I guarantee you, we probably got more professional experience than most people, most millennials in the job market right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good time. It was good times. So now no longer slinging gym membership and slinging yoga pants. Not far off. (laughs) Not far off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's what it evolved to. Yeah. Yeah. So I left 
lifetime having yeah. so there was the the manager at the time told me that I was gunning for this assistant sales manager position mm -hmm. for like months and I'm grinding and sucking the corporate dick basically <laughs> to try to get this position and then like two months into it when I was supposed to get it he goes yeah you know we wanted to get it to you but the, ma the manager has said that he wants to hold the Twinkie or the, the carrot in front of you a little bit longer. Yeah. And I was like, I am not a fucking mule. That, yeah, that yeah. was my stand with that. I'm like, this is not for me. I, I can't do this corporate environment thing. I don't yeah. want to be pushing for somebody else's business. Yeah. And it's funny because a different manager was telling me the same thing. <laughs> Those yeah. fuckers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I, I had done that and I'd been around some other business people who I could see building something tangible. Yeah. And I think that's where the, the disconnect was for me. It was like, yeah, you're making great money you're getting great experience but when you leave here there's nothing that you have yeah. you have the, you have the person that you became which is huge but you're not building something you're not building yeah. right. an empire a business or a brand yeah. and I saw other people doing that and I was like I'm leaving mm -hmm. I'm gonna do something else so that that's when I left with with no real plan of what to do yeah. um, what when, what was the point that you had eventually left there so it was within like a couple of weeks after you because we were actually both talking about possibly doing our MBAs and we we're like maybe we'll go back oh, to school yeah. there's so other so many other things that we could be doing and I wasn't sure what my next step was going to be and at this point I felt pretty beaten like I I went into the job in January having so much confidence, like knowing who I was and feeling really good about myself. And then towards the end, it's like you're one of the top performers on a sales team, hitting quota, exceeding your numbers, having these like the like just killing it. And then it, for some reason, you feel like a piece of shit. And it's <laughs> so like it's so hard to comprehend how you could be good at your job, but still feel like great at your job, still feel right. like a piece of shit. And so I got to a point is a couple of weeks after you and I was like, fuck, Shane left me here. There's no one to go for Bellinis with anymore. And then we got to a point where a couple of weeks after you left, they said that if we weren't performing at a certain level by midday, you weren't allowed to take a lunch break. Oh, and yeah. that's when it was like, I'm working 12 hours and like you, you're asking me where I'm going when I'm going to pee, like I'm going to pee. <laughs> and so I got to a point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. And, um, actually Costa, my partner at the time is my boyfriend. Uh, he, and now my fiance, he encouraged me to apply to a program called venture for Canada which started on the East Coast. Now they're um, all across Canada. And very similar to Venture for America, they take semi-recent graduates and help place them with startups throughout the different cities so they can learn the startup ecosystem and hopefully give them the tools that they need to start their own businesses. And so at the time, I was applying to VFC thinking, I'm not even good enough to make this program. I don't know why I'm doing it. In hindsight, I look back and I'm, I'm like, amazing. I know I am. Thank you. Hold your applause. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just mean like I'm a go-getter and I know that I can get shit done. But looking back, I was such a broken person that I didn't even think I was going to get into the program. And the job really took that emotional toll on me that I felt broken. And I remember saying, okay, I need to take a sick day. And I emailed in saying, listen, I'm really not feeling well. I'll get you a doctor's note, but I need to take the day off. And at the time, our manager was from the U.S. and like did not understand Canadian labor laws. And he said, if you're not back in on Monday, you're going to be on a PIP which is a performance improvement plan, which legally you can't do unless someone's missed quota or done something. But I took a Saturday off, which is like very, <laughs> very wrong in our industry. And I remember thinking, there's no way I can go back. And actually I was getting ready to go to work and Costa was the one who told me, he's like, you're not going in today. He's like, you're just going to stay home for the week. They can't fire you. And just like, you've given them a lot, just take care of yourself. 
And then I started going through the VFC process. And at that point when I, I was going so fast that I stopped and I realized like everything was just hitting me and I was emotionally like destroyed. I even to get up and go across the street to Aroma to go get a coffee in the morning was the hardest thing that I could possibly do. Mm. And so that's when I committed to doing uh, a month of yoga. So there was a moksha down the street for me. It was like a 10 minute walk and they had an intro month for like $60. And so I decided I was going to take the month off. Um, at this point, I had gotten into VFC. And so I knew that, okay, I can, in January, I can start looking at startups and find a job. But right now, I'm just going to take some time to be with myself. And so I committed that if I could just get up each morning and walk down the street and take a yoga class, then I accomplished something that day. And that's how broken I felt. Like it to leave bed in the morning was such a struggle. And so I did that. And then I noticed each day I started to feel a little bit better and a little bit better. And then towards the end of my 30 days, I felt like a totally different human and like yoga had just totally changed me. And at that point I was on a leave of absence from lifetime. They asked me if I wanted to come back. And I remember writing the email being like, no, <laughs> you, can, you can like accept this, this as my resignation. I'm not coming back because I felt like the person that I used to be even better. Like my body felt great. I wasn't, didn't have aches and pains from driving an hour to work every day. And my mind felt still. And I actually felt like I had control over my emotions again, which I didn't even realize it, but several months leave, leading up to that breaking point, I didn't even have control over the person mm. I was becoming or the way that I was feeling. That was really scary. So that was around the time that I left. So it was November of 2017, uh, 2016, no, 2016. I and think then, so. Yeah. And then you had started dabbling with the Shopify stores around then. And then it was in January. I started working with a tech startup called Fix and Shane had reached out to me saying that he had started the Shopify store and asked if I wanted to start working with him and, and helping out with some customer service stuff. And then that's really when things like picked up. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually have some negative feelings about venture for Canada. I know. Do you know why? Cause Shane also applied <laughs> and I didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> Those bastards. If only they could see what I'm doing now. I I'm going to buy that company one day. No. Uh, no, but it's, it sounds like venture for Canada was, was huge for your life. And mm -hmm. I've met a lot of, or some of the people that you've done that with and worked yeah. for, I think Fix and some other people associated with Venture for Canada. Yeah. It seems like some awesome people. people. Yeah, there yeah. are a lot of young people um, who just want to be entrepreneurs or just don't want to work for a corporation. Like I've worked with bigger companies, Lifetime, CIBC. And the one thing that always frustrated me was when you have big ideas and you can execute, but there's so much red tape limiting you from getting something done. That was my frustration is, you know, I want to make a change. There's a word spelt wrong on the website. Let's just fix the word. But you have to go through all of these different levels right. and it's like okay like I can't do this forever so that's where startups come in where it allows people to actually get their hands dirty get that real life experience and make a difference in the organization so you right. went from working from a very corporate environment yeah. to now working with more startups yeah what what were some of the very noticeable differences that you found between these these two corporate environments yeah. Um, so the biggest thing is, I don't know if you remember this from being at Lifetime, but I've experienced this in most of the corporations that I've worked with is always being on the sales front. You want to tell marketing to do something differently. It's like, stop yeah. using these words and stop marketing it like this because I'm talking to people every day and that's not what's going to sell it. Mm. I'm selling it differently than you are marketing it. And it mm. always felt like there was a disconnect between mm. marketing and sales. And in some, even in startups, you sometimes see that like product is against sales and sales is against marketing and they don't, they don't mesh well. But I was really lucky to work with a very amazing startup right off the bat, which was Fix Software based out of Toronto. Mark Castell was the founder and CEO at the time, um, like a true visionary. He believed that a company revolves around its people and in order for the people to be successful, they have to have all of the tools that they, they need. And so everyone has to communicate. 
So marketing and sales, our two VPs were best friends. Like they were each other's partners in crime. And so marketing and sales were always talking. So they were putting out content that our customers needed so that we had the sales tools that we needed to better sell. And that's the first thing that I noticed in a startup is if you see something that's not working, you have a voice because it's less than 50 people. Sometimes it's even smaller. You're able to say, hey, this is broken. This is how, this is my recommendation on how to fix it. And they would actually take your recommendation and apply it. And so you actually felt like you were a part of building the company. When you're one of the first 20 hires, of absolutely, you're having a direct impact in what's happening. And I just loved that. Hmm. That, was, that was the biggest thing is they're smart people on all levels. But oftentimes in a corporation, you come in from the ground up and they, they don't treat you the same way that they treat someone who has tenure there and seniority. And it's great that that person has been with the company for 20 years, but there are things that they're missing. They're, like you're coming in, a new person's coming in with fresh ideas. They should be able to implement those ideas. Hmm. Yeah. Did you see anybody in the startup world who you thought, you know, you, you should probably go work for a bigger company. You don't really fit the profile of what this startup All needs. All the time. A lot of millennials, and like I understand that we're millennials, sorry. <laughs> um, a lot of young people are graduating university and thinking that they don't want to go work for a corporation so it's going to be fun to work at a startup because there are snacks and flexible <laughs> hours, and yeah. you know? And it's they're there, but then... The thing with a startup is you really have to be a go-getter because the answers aren't there for you. Your training is not going to be perfect. It's going to be very broken. So it's your job to enhance the training for the next person who gets hired and mm. then they will better it for the person after them until eventually you're big enough that you have HR and you have processes in place. A lot of people, even though they say that they don't need structure, they do. Mm. And they don't know that they do. Right. It's not until that they work with a startup where literally everything is on fire all the time and your job is to react and put the fire out that they realize that it's not for them. Hmm. Yeah. Most people just go into it thinking this is going to be fun. This is going to be great. But they're used to years of having their hands held in school, right. being, being told, do these exact things and you'll get this grade. And then when it comes time to just figure shit out people yeah, a like lot a of people rubric. remember yeah, rubrics right? like rubrics are literally just a map <laughs> yeah. on how to like be successful that's yeah. what always blew my mind yeah. about school was that they gave you a fucking rubric exactly. it's like so wait a second yeah. i just got to do everything in the far right column yeah sure <laughs> right. that's just a fucking checklist yeah, exactly. no 100 percent. and uh, i i think that's why i don't like for me like school like there was there was some subjects in school where i just didn't pay attention and they were yeah. hard but like overall school was so easy because i'm yeah. like there's the right column that's the path yeah that like w what else is there exactly. like it's interesting because it's like yeah if, if you've never challenged yourself in any other way and you just yeah. did school like yeah. that's where i think like a lot of the time like i know a lot of people that are hyper like academic and super mm -hmm. super smart um like that i went to high school with and mm -hmm. you kind of look at them and be like and you know they're not excelling in the workplace because it's just like that no I don't know, like someone who can take direction. That's not always, that's not someone yeah. that's weird. Anybody can take your, you can, you can train a dog to take direction. Right. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's like, it, there's, I think that's the, the issue with school is that it can breed these like very hyper analytical people and people mm -hmm. that are super, super smart, but it's like, can they actually provide value to an organization where it's like, okay, yeah, we want to pay you like multiple six figures. Like probably not. Right. Like if, if you're, if you have no creativity yeah. in you and you have no kind of like, I don't know, grit in terms of like figuring stuff out, it's, yeah. it'd be really hard to make that transition. It's true. And typically don't they say that the best entrepreneurs are actually the people who performed, um, the poorest in school. 
I mean, that's, that's whenever you hear the at least yeah. the vocal entrepreneurs yeah. usually are, you know, like I feel like yeah. maybe that's just maybe those are just the ones that are talking. And then the other ones that were really good in school, they never talked in school. and They're not going to talk when yeah. they're entrepreneurs. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it could be like a little bit of a bias of like, yeah. you know, the, the person who was talking out in class is probably going to talk it when he's successful. It's true. But I would say that, you know, um, yeah. looking at like a lot of like my peers, if they were successful as entrepreneurs, like most of them weren't like the best students. students yeah. yeah. So what do you think would be a trait about an entrepreneur that would make them a good entrepreneur, but a bad student, a good entrepreneur, but a bad student. I mean, yeah. like, I think f- like if I just like look at myself where it's like, I've never kind of had a job like ever. Um, the reason why I was like, I, I always got good marks and that wasn't mm-hmm. an issue. Like I always kind of got mm-hmm. by because I wasn't going to fail at something yeah. like that, that that's kind of in me. But I think the biggest thing was I would sometimes, uh, I would definitely hinder my ability to learn sometimes mm-hmm. because I wanted to just do it my own way. Like yeah. I wouldn't always be accepting of, of learning. So that would mm-hmm. be, I feel like if you say like a bad student is someone who can't be educated, like I think I would still execute in terms of I get grades and that would make me a good student, but I wasn't a good student in terms of like I'm consuming information yeah. and getting yeah. better as a person. Yeah. And so like, you know, a more traditional, you know, um, or actually a more accurate way of defining a good student is like someone that's good at learning. I think yeah. sometimes if you're a really good entrepreneur, you might not be the best at learning. Yeah. I, I also think I totally agree with that. And something that always jumped out at me is following steps. So there are those people that can have, um, what is it called? Like information paralysis or analysis paralysis. Mm-hmm. And so they need to understand everything before they can get started. And you almost spend too much time reading instructions Mm-hmm. So I was always the person in school that was like, okay, I'm skimming over the instructions. Okay, I get it. I just want to get started. Like, let me just start, yeah. take the test. And I find for when you're an entrepreneur and you're starting a business, you have to do that. It's like, okay, it's going to break. Like the website's going to crash, but like I'll figure <laughs> it out and I'll fix it as I go. Yeah. But if I wait forever to understand how Shopify works, to understand Facebook ads, a year can go by and then guess what? Facebook ads change and then you have no fucking idea yeah. and you still didn't start your business. Yeah. So really good students, I think can slow down and they'll read every step and they'll make sure that they have all of the facts before they get started. But as an entrepreneur, that's not going to help you because it's just going to delay actually getting started. I think so often when we're trying to make a change to the website or trying to launch a new (laughs) website, we're just like, and it's just, you know, you're three days in and like, it seems like you haven't got anywhere. It's like, all right, let's just launch it. And then that will force us to get to make it good. (laughs) I feel like I've done that for every Shopify store I've launched. Like, let's just get it out and then we'll see where it breaks. Um, and then you get, end up getting it done in a day where it's like, yeah, you could, you could spend weeks, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's interesting. Like being able to just like let go of certain things and be like, fuck it. Like yeah. you can still make money if something's broken. Like, right. you know, like, yeah. Yeah. I feel like you're right when you say that the most vocal entrepreneurs are, you know, it biases us in a little bit because mm-hmm. they're the ones who didn't perform well at school. And yeah. then they, you know, they want to talk about how yeah. they've overcame that. And that wasn't an actual indicator of their potential. Yeah. And I feel like it, there's a bit of an inferiority complex that comes along with not excelling at something that you were expected to. Yeah. Right. And so it, they always want to, you know, there's, there's people that want to bring that up because it's like, you know, see, I didn't do well, but, but the look, it didn't matter. Yeah. It didn't yeah, mean yeah. anything, you yeah. know? But there's also, you know, some learning disabilities where, you know, more of a conventional way that yeah. school was structured, it, it wouldn't have matched up like having a, like Richard Branson having, um, mm-hmm. what's that um, learning disability uh, where, you, where you, you have trouble reading and oh, following dyslexic, Disle- dyslexic. dyslexia, dyslexia. Yeah. yeah, like there, there's certain things that that type of learning structure didn't work for. Yeah. Whereas like, I, f- I think like going through university there was a lot more here's a problem solve it mm-hmm. versus like here's a rubric this is just what you need to do yeah. where I could see some people excelling well in school who that still would have worked in a, in a business environment yeah. right yeah um, yeah 
I, I don't I don't I don't necessarily think that if somebody performed well at school it doesn't mean they're going to be a good entrepreneur. There's probably a lot of really yeah. good med tech entrepreneurs that don't say shit. Yeah, that, you know, and they're probably yeah. making note, way more money did than very us. Very well in school. <laughs> I finished my kines degree early, and I took my second my last semester of my fourth year to get a second degree in psych and religious studies. So on that note, I was actually yeah. pretty good in school. Well, the thing is, you do need to learn as an entrepreneur. Yeah. So if yeah. school is learning, yeah, which it's not, it's not it's a lot of the times. Not. But learning yeah. is definitely a good skill you need to have. Yeah. You need to be able to learn quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. But yeah, it's it seems like it, it's taking more like more people are realizing that it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be a good entrepreneur if you're shit at school. Yeah. Oh, there's definitely <laughs> bad students that are shit at, at, at everything. Every, yeah. yeah, they're just bad at everything. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, not to stay on the subject too long, but it's kind of interesting. It's like where. How do you find out that, okay, this person did well at school and they're probably going to do well at business? Maybe it's not that they followed a structure given to them, but mm-hmm. maybe they've created a structure around yeah. their own personal domain that worked for school. Yeah. They saw, hey, I need to get a 90 average. What's my personal structure going to look like yeah. to get that? It's yeah. like, okay, I have to spend this amount of time studying. Yeah. I can't go out and party with my friends every night. And they build a system around themselves that works yeah. for that goal. Yeah. Like that might be a a person who did well at school that also might do well somewhere yeah. else versus someone who's like, that's the system. I'm just going to replicate that. It yeah. worked. I'm going to replicate systems. That's what yeah. I'm going to do. I think a lot of it has to do with who, you, who's your who you're surrounded by as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I think if you, you know, your parents were super like, into school or something like you might then be like, okay, my goal is to be good at school. Yeah. But if you weren't, it's just like, then there's no one pushing that value to for school. It's just, then you can divert your attention. I don't think either one is, is bad, but like you're saying like if, you, yeah. you could have a kid that's like, okay, my goal is to get good in school. And like that yeah. could be a good entrepreneur because he sets goals and he achieves yeah. them. Right. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing is I, I, if I, whenever I have kids, I just don't want them to associate like what mark they get in school with like yeah. any sort of value other than like, mm-hmm. unless you set that as a goal, then, yeah. then, then fuck it. But like, if you set something else, as long as you're setting goals and achieving them and it doesn't really matter. You're yeah. right. Like I think the biggest thing is that like these, this, Everyone goes to school so that everyone, everyone can look at everybody on this one graph, you know? Yeah. But it's like you can decide not to even be on that on that chart, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think yeah. as long as you decide not to be on that chart but then also decide, okay, you have to take your time and your energy and put it somewhere else, and then mm-hmm. I think that's a fine transition. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think as, like, now that we're the generation that's going to be, you know, raising kids, things are going to be a lot different. Like, my parents immigrated to Canada. My dad was an engineer, couldn't apply it when he came, and he had three kids, and then I was born a few years after they came. And he, he ended up working at a yogurt factory in Ontario when they first moved here, lived in Ontario for six months, and then moved to Nova Scotia where he had to start his own business and they opened a restaurant because what else can you do when you're not educated and you can't go back to school? And so growing up, for me, every single day when I was leaving the house, my dad would say, be good today and be good in school. And that's always what they said to me. He said, don't get married, don't date until you're a doctor. Like, don't wait for anyone <laughs> to take care of you. I know, and I was like, right, right. Um, And then they, they didn't want anyone to ever have to take care of me. They wanted me to be self-sufficient. And for them, as immigrants who didn't have knowledge but saw knowledge as power, they wanted me to have all of the knowledge possible, um, which was really interesting because they always pushed me towards being a doctor or being a lawyer. They thought I would be a really good lawyer, and so I, I pursued sciences in school thinking that's what I'm going to do, and then things changed, but I also grew up with an entrepreneurial family, and so I didn't even realize that the thing that they didn't want me to do was just naturally embedded in me. I would, I used to steal things from my brothers and then open up a convenience store in my bedroom and resell them their stuff back. <laughs> <laughs> and 
no joke. And I used to like, I remember my dad used to get so pissed that they had a pizza shop in a convenience store and I used to take chocolate bars and stuff and set up a lemonade stand and sell their stuff and then just like pocket the money myself. Mm, yeah. And so for me, I always pursued sales jobs because mm. I always wanted to know that what I was going to get was a direct reflection of what I was putting in where school it wasn't always like that so you know you could study all day long for a test and like feel like you really knew the shit and then all of a sudden the prof throws a question in there that was only in the advanced reading that you didn't have to do and then you're like well fuck me like <laughs> I guess it's not good enough okay so I think now I understand why our supplier has such a hard time <laughs> getting good margins on his products that we're buying from <laughs> because you started your career with zero cost of goods good. <laughs> and you've had to gone up from there and poor Mark is making yoga pants as fast as he can <laughs> for a price he's not completely he's satisfied with. He's a little scared with. of me, actually. <laughs> the, the one thing about that story that, that kind of just like put a light on in my head is that I feel like often I hear people say like uh, a saying that someone would say to them often when they were a kid and it stuck with them to like now. Yeah. Um, and so I would interesting to hear. So mine was, it was from a family friend and he only ever said it to me once, but I, I remember it to it like to this day. Mm -hmm. And all he said was life's about life's all life is, is decisions make good ones. Mm -hmm. And it was, and it was so open ended that was just like, and it's been able to like transform in my life. There's like, okay, mm -hmm. like I can make any decision. Like life yeah. is just decision. That's all this. So it's just like, well, what is the good decision? Yeah. And then it's just like, and there always is a good, right yeah. decision but, yeah, whether it, and not whether someone else sees it as right but there's a good decision for you at that time and like mm -hmm. i think it's interesting here because I, I think so many people have that like one saying that like they it guides yeah. their whole life and it's just like well fuck if i have kids i gotta make sure i'm <laughs> saying the right shit because it could be that one that fucks You're them thinking about yeah. it's like what is the one thing i'm gonna say to them? Yeah. okay yeah. speaking of things that can fuck you <laughs> so i had i had a friend in university who was just the biggest player i've ever met in my entire life yeah. he came into university and told me that he had over he had sex with over 500 women wow and i was like this is one of those guys that Gross. talks a lot of shit but after spending four years with him i'm like he probably under lowballed himself <laughs> it was insane but that was all he did we had mm -hmm. the exam time and he'd go to the library and he didn't bring any books with him he would just go there to talk to girls oh my god and that was his that was his full-time job essentially and the reason that he did that was because his dad was passing away and on his deathbed told him that his biggest regret was getting married too young and not having been with enough women holy and, oh my god yeah, take that in so he was just obsessive with just as many women as possible that was his goal his only goal didn't care about school didn't care about his buddies nothing he was like, I'm just going to sleep with women. That's what I'm going to do. Fuck. What his dad probably meant was like sleep with 10. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Not yeah. 500 before university. <laughs> yeah. Holy so shit. one sentence can definitely fuck somebody up in the yeah, wrong way. It's true. Interesting. Yeah. So that same thing with like getting a grade in a school. You get this early identifier of who you are and you associate it with your identity. Like I'm yeah. a C student because I had a pop quiz in grade three and I didn't know how to spell Bumblebee. Yeah. You know, and all of a yeah. sudden now I'm, I just associate myself or identify myself as not being a smart person. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. And then people also treat you differently throughout life. Like it's the same thing as, you know, is socioeconomic status. Um, people are often treated or mistreated based on where they fall. And I always noticed that with teachers where teachers were nicer to some students if they had better grades and then not as nice to the ones who struggled where in hindsight, maybe they're the let, 
learning environment or the type of way that they were being taught just wasn't conducive to their style of learning. hundred percent. But it's, and that's something that I do love now is that people are more outspoken and a lot of people, a lot of um, tech entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley have opened their own schools for their own children. So they decide how their kids learn mm, and what yeah. they're learning. And like, I respect that so much because we're allowing an entire generation to be brought up in a way that everyone can be good at something. It's just finding what is the thing that's going to make them tick and how can we help them be perfect at it? Maybe if someone told us, you know, 10 years ago, 12, like 20 years ago, if my dad told me like be an entrepreneur, like fucking go out and kill it. I probably would have done something a lot sooner, but I was trying to follow this track my whole life being like, I got to be a doctor. I got to be a lawyer. Like I got to do something that's like good. Mm -hmm. And like, that is a career that will define me as like a good person in society. Mm -hmm. Like, what is that? So it's interesting to see like the, uh, the constraints that are placed on us as kids and like how that molds the person that you become and like what you end up doing. Yeah. No, there's a lot of variables in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that your dad was right to push you into law because we ended up needing that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I still think I could be a great lawyer. Maybe one day just for fun. Let's hope not. (laughs) I don't don't want you to need to have to be a good lawyer. (laughs) Again. Okay. So that that was one of the reasons that we wanted uh, to do this podcast was because you and I have a very unique, I think, and interesting story Mm -hmm. um, being in our first year of business. And it, it was an experience that thrust us into this this world of business and law that you know we didn't anticipate mm-hmm. and I think we, we came out of it much stronger people than we did going in absolutely um, but we went into it very naive and scared yeah uh, and I think that anybody listening to this whether they're in business or e-commerce or anything it, it's gonna provide a lot of value to them so yeah. I want to I want to tell this story um, and I think Zach will be a good person to, to, to pull some good stuff out of us while we, mm-hmm. we go through this, um, and, and talk about this situation. So, so this was, so we, you and I had been running Nomesthetics for something like, uh, like eight months or something yeah. like that. So, um, it was coming in right before our first black Friday. So it was end of October, beginning of November. Right. Yeah. Okay. And at, at this point, in, to put to put it in pr- into perspective, mm-hmm. Nam Aesthetics had been doing fairly well for this eight months. Yeah, and a lot of the, a lot of the products that we'd been selling, you know, we we started off on a drop shipping model. Mm-hmm. So we we would find designs that suppliers had already made yeah. or um you know that somebody else had designed and then we'd we'd get proof of concept for a mm-hmm. niche yeah. um, by selling other people's designs yeah that, you know that's yeah. how but we we didn't know exactly where these were coming from so we were very similar to a boutique that was just a middleman selling other people's creations and other people's products so we would buy directly from a manufacturer and sell those to the consumer exactly so that'd yeah. be that'd be a great way of putting it so you know starting off right in the beginning it wasn't a lot of you know, we, we went with a lot of templates of designs yep. that, that we were given. Yeah. Um, and then we, we'd make small adjustments to them and then change up the coloring and then mm-hmm. like a bit of the sizing and everything. Yep. But we'd kind of start from some base that yeah. was given to us. And we, a lot of it was, we didn't have a lot of capital to invest at the beginning and we didn't know what we wanted to invest in if we didn't have a proof of concept, like you said. So it was a great way to get started is to understand what are people looking for by selling designs, designs that already existed and then slowly transitioned into being our own brand and, and designing the clothing ourselves. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so we had found, you know, one particular product that was working extremely well. Mm -hmm. uh, that was, that was a fairly unique product that, that had given us the capability to launch this business quickly. Yeah. And we went into November, December, into the, the fourth quarter of the year, um, selling mainly this product. Yeah. And at that point we had been manufacturing it ourselves because during the year it was one of our best selling items. It was so popular and it was unique in the sense that you couldn't find it a lot, but it was a style that was huge in the 70s and 80s um, it was a really big style that you know you would see in music videos workout videos it was kind of everywhere and it dominated the fitness market for decades and so the thing is though it was hard to find the actual product so it, it slipped away yeah right? yeah it kind yeah. of it, the fad kind of ended and then I think we were a big component in bringing that trend back onto the market and so mm. at that point we were to actually started investing our own money to create our own custom colors and to manufacture it the way that we wanted yeah, yeah. So we, we had invested a lot into this product yep. in terms of the design and mm -hmm. time and money and stocking yeah. it. Yeah. And then we went into November, December and we had a massive, massive Q4 yep. that, that changed, you know, everything for us yeah. where th this product just absolutely popped off. Yeah. Um, and we were so happy with all this, um, yeah. in the midst of this somewhere, I can't remember exactly when we first heard from this other company, but yeah, we it was it was um, around the end of October. Around okay, so yeah. around the end of October, we received a cease and desist letter from another brand before Black Friday hit. Before Black Friday, before hit. Black Friday, yeah. a cease and desist letter before Black Friday from a huge, huge competitor yeah. in our space. Yeah, um, basically saying that they they had you know design patent protection on the product that we've been selling this this specific product. Mm -hmm. um, so we, I've, I've never received a cease and desist before. I didn't know what it was <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at the yeah. time. But I mean, it, w it was a little bit scary. I think like we didn't quite understand what it meant. No. Uh, so, you know, we frantically tried to find some legal help on yeah. it to, 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 yep. to get a good diagnosis of what we should do. Yeah. Um, so we like interviewed a bunch of lawyers and then eventually kind of landed oh. on somebody. Well, what's interesting, actually, what first happened is they emailed us. They emailed our info ad account and it actually went to spam. So it was when we were like cleaning out the inbox that we found it. We're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And then we found oh. out that Shane would be served. And so we were like, I remember calling me like, don't answer your front door. <laughs> shows up. Like until we figure out what the hell this right. means. Yeah. Because yeah. we had kind of figured out that you have a timeline once, you know, a cease and desist is kind of like a courtesy letter from yeah. another yeah. company. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. hey, take this yeah. down. We won't pursue anything further. Yeah. Um, but then if they decide to pursue litigation or to sue you, then once you get served, then there's kind of like a time clock yeah. on. Yeah. Right. Things start yeah. happening. Yeah. Before things start happening. So yeah. we, we had received the cease and desist letter after talking to like a few lawyers. We're like, hey, mm -hmm. we, we still really have to diagnose this issue before yeah. we, we take any drastic action, mm -hmm. like taking the product down or yeah. reaching back out to them. Yeah. I think that's a big mistake a lot of people yeah, make. Yeah. Never message back. No. Like just Yeah. Yeah. And have your lawyer message back. That's the other thing is we we're lucky that we didn't because imagine what stupid thing we could have said that would have just ruined everything. Right. Yeah. yeah. So so the, the point of all this is we got we 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 understood that they were that we were on their radar about yeah. it. We didn't fully understand the problem, but we mm -hmm. knew like this this was a product that was driving most of our business. So we went into Q4 still pushing it. Yeah. And we did, you know, an, an insane amount of sales for us at the time. So we yeah. we were stoked about that. Mm -hmm. And I remember on Black Friday after, you know, having an awesome day partying afterwards and like just mm -hmm. working for 12, 14 hour days. I did a full all nighter that yeah. night, yep. setting up our ads and manual bidding throughout the night. Yep. And then I got home to my parents' place at where I was living at the time. And then there was another cease and desist yep. on the counter. Yeah. 
it, on the day after Black Friday, on the, yeah. that night yeah. of Black Friday when I got back. So I'm looking at all these huge sales and I'm like, yes, like it's yeah, happening. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was a cease and desist letter on my desk that my parents had, had given me just a big fucking stack of yeah. papers. Yeah. And I just remember looking at it like, oh, do I want to open this right now? Yeah. I did. And I started reading through it and they're, you know, wanting damages. So they were wanting us to pay, you know, everything yeah. that we had made from this product. Plus all of the money that they had potentially lost from customers buying it from us instead of them. Right, right, and right. the biggest thing between us and that company is we are more, um, we try and be more inclusive with our pricing. So we have a more affordable model. Their pricing is like triple of what we would retail right. our leggings for. So we were like, oh my God, we have to pay them so, so three times the amount. Yeah. yeah it so it's, it started getting scary yeah, at that point. Yeah. So what, so like, I f okay, I feel like I want to backtrack a little bit because I think there's a lot to like in the story we don't want to like, let's slip through the cracks. So let's just go back to the good shit for a second. <laughs> Your first Black Friday. Yeah. So this is like this is like you guys are like less than a year in a business, right? Yeah. Coming so like, yeah. Uh, I want to like hear kind of more about like what that feelings like when you when you're saying it's like it just it feels like it starts working. Like I yeah. know it kind of feels like you're like you're, nothing can touch you, yeah. and like you're just like fuck it, and you think it's never gonna end, and like, all this yeah. kind of stuff is it, all this good stuff's happening, right? Yeah. Um, but like maybe get into some details on that. Like, was there anything like transformative that when it was in the moment that you like you hold on to now, or like things that you realized about yourself? Like I feel like anytime there's like massive sh shifts in like someone's like state, right? You get to learn a little bit about yourself. Like in that first little bit, was it did it put you into a into like a lot of like imposter syndrome or did it go the other way where you felt like you're, you, no one could ever touch you? Why don't, why don't you start with that? Yeah. I, you know what? A little bit of both. The very first thing that you think of, um, was holy shit. Like we did it. We right. did this. And yeah. it's that feeling of like, I'm untouchable. Um, but then especially like, I, I don't know about you, Shane, but like for me, and I think this is common with most females is that imposter syndrome starts to settle in pretty quickly. And then you're yeah. like, Whoa, did I actually do this? Like, uh, I don't know. And then you kind of start making excuses for yourself and you're like, oh, well, everyone had a really good Black Friday. So like maybe, maybe this was just lucky or, you know, I don't know. And, and you kind of start doubting yourself, but it's, um, it's one of those things that the minute that you start seeing the numbers coming in throughout the day and you're like, wow, this is great. And then you see your ending number that day on, let's say Black Friday alone, compared to the rest of the year, you look at it and you're like, wow, we, we did something pretty amazing. We took a chance on something. We made a call to stock this product and we put everything that we had behind it and we were right to do that. We made a good decision and it kind of makes you feel like I'm actually good at this. I can do mm -hmm. this. I can run a business and like, I, I don't need to be a fashion designer and I don't need to have a degree in in any of this to be able to create something that is in need and in demand so you have that great feeling but then for me it kind of started to tip down and then I think maybe for Shane that night it really may have crashed <laughs> yeah I think it's a good point like there, there's a, there's definitely a big empowering aspect to mm -hmm. it and I think people they shouldn't they should embrace that because yeah. it makes you trust yourself more it's yeah. like mm -hmm. you you build up reference points of success mm -hmm. and then that build into your that builds into your character where yeah. when you have to make a judgment call like you were saying how decisions are so important you trust yourself to make a decision yeah. knowing hey i've ex executed well yeah i can do this you know it is right. something well i think that that's quite powerful for people having that self-confidence even if it's not something where it's like hey everybody did well on black friday yeah. i think that does feed into your success into the long term yeah. embracing it i think what was interesting for me is is reaching kind of taking a, a few steps up the rungs in the ladder mm -hmm. the first thing i wanted to do is tell everybody about it yeah but you know especially as an early entrepreneur you're usually not surrounded with people that 
have amounted that success, right? So when you, when you're telling, you're not going to get the reaction you think you're going to get from a lot of people. So there was an interesting thing where I was, you know, wanted to tell everybody, but you know, found myself holding back. I was like, you know what? It's probably not a good idea. And, and then you kind of find out like, who are the people that are going to be excited about it with you? Right. It's interesting when you go to someone with a good news and they're as excited, Mm -hmm. whatever, whether like, I feel like that's when you really, really understand like who kind of, cause you can always have a, there's always a feeling when you give someone good news. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, are you actually happy for me? Or you just pretending to be happy because you like want me to like take you out or something, you know, like it's it's interesting. But like, I think, and it's interesting because people was like, Oh, you always find who your friends are when like stuff's not good. But it's like, no, everyone's usually, there when stuff's not good it's but it's like who's actually genuinely there yeah. and happy for you when things when are things good. are really good yeah. where they're like they don't want anything from you other yeah. than for you to just bask in your like yeah you know the, the best thing it's but. so true i find people tend to make excuses on why you're successful versus why they're yeah. not right and it's like oh well you had this or you know you had that and it's like sure you can say that but it, it almost takes away from your happiness and you do quickly realize who's there for you actually that's part of the reason that i ended up leaving fix was for a startup that wanted to support young entrepreneurs I felt like I had to go into work every day in secret and I couldn't tell anyone what I was working on that night. Or I remember coming in after black Friday and having like a massive day and just being like, yeah, like, cause I took a vacation day from mm-hmm. work that day and being so happy. And one of the guys actually asked me, he's like, yeah, so how's your black Friday? I was like, and I felt like I had to downplay it. I was like, Oh, it was fine because I knew that my VP was sitting there probably cringing. That it's like, you don't think about anything except for these sales right, right, right here. Right, right. And so it was just that realization of like, this isn't the environment that I can be in long term. Right. So you guys are yeah. like over the moon, happy. Yeah. You got tons of cash in the bank. Got those Shopify dot things yeah. just, just yeah. pumping. Ding, and you're like, sweet. Ding, ding. And then Shane comes home after Black Friday. The stack. I hate reading anything like legal like that. So like even when I have this weird thing where like even when I get notices from this like the revenue agent CRA, like on my email, mm-hmm. I'll let it sit there for like two weeks. Yeah. And like they're usually just updates being like blah, 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 blah. Like I've never had any issues with, yeah. with the CRA. But anytime I see like mm-hmm. any legal thing, like my heart rate just fucking goes because like <laughs> it's also one of those things where it's like i don't want to fucking do this yeah. Yeah. you know like this is not what i want to be doing with my time like yeah. and you like, think and you can't choose not to and that's what's always been like sc- scary for me it was just like fuck if i ever had like a big legal thing like i'd probably yeah. just leave like see that's where we're <laughs> very different and we compliment each other where shane will take a picture of a letter and I'm like open it right now and tell me what it says and he's like mm, maybe in a week <laughs> yeah, yeah. I push that shit because I'm like, I don't want to deal with this right there's now. There's so like, many easy ways to get out of it. It's like, it's late. It's, I'm yeah. not going to be able to solve this problem tonight. <laughs> yeah. And then the yeah. next day, it's like, well, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night. So I'm not in a, a good state to solve this problem. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. So I think definitely a big takeaway from that was you need to open those letters and deal with yeah. it fucking yeah. ASAP. Yeah. yeah. Um, and here's the other thing. Like with, with successes and with big adversity like that, you do definitely come into contact with your true character. And yeah. part of it has to do with the spontaneity of it. You're mm-hmm. not expecting a big right. success. You're not expecting yeah. a big failure. Whatever person you assume, you kind of realize like, I'm that person. Yeah. I need to be that person more often. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think, you know, we did well with the letter because we took action on it right away. We did. Although, we, you know, we did procrastinate on opening it and then like mm-hmm. fully understanding it once we had like this is the issue yeah it was like okay we need to find a lawyer we yeah. flew down to california because yeah. we're like we can't have this lawyer be no. in canada for no. reasons and we dealt with the issue yeah so there was there was good good things with it we so right away started interviewing people and like we started calling people that so vfc put me in contact with um deloitte which is the the firm that they use and they partner with and so we just started talking to a few different lawyers to figure out okay what is it that we need and the minute that we found someone, um, 
we, we ended up feeling like they understand us. They understand patent law. They're going to be able mm-hmm. to help us. We got on a plane and we flew down there to go meet and just start taking care of things right away. Right. And here's the thing. Finding a good lawyer, it can be a blessing in these situations because they're used to people just have going through these. Yeah. They know how, right. how stressed people are going to be. They're very good at being calm through these yeah. situations. Mm-hmm. So it like, definitely put us at ease and he was calm yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. He's like, this yeah. is what we're going to do. So not only so, – so this is building upon – <laughs> like a beast right now. This is still snowballing. There's still yeah. other factors that went into this. So we, mm-hmm. we're we all elated. We get home. There's a letter. Realize there's an issue because we just sold so much of this product and now yeah. this money might not be ours. Yeah. So that, I think that was kind of in our heads. You Meanwhile, know, that kind of sucked. We also had another production order um, in the works. So we had another order that we had committed to with the supplier right. before For this product. Yeah, before we even got this letter. Like it was before the letter arrived, we had already put in a PO. We had already placed a deposit and so it's like okay not only could this money not be ours but now we're on the line for more production of this mm-hmm. product yeah right and we also found out that we we oversold a lot of the product on black friday cyber monday because we're we were just selling we didn't want to stop yeah. selling yeah so we we oversold a lot of what we had mm-hmm. and it became an issue because we were we had expected a shipment kind of that weekend that was getting to the facility mm-hmm. which ended up being a lot less of a quantity than we had expected yeah so we found out we had oversold by a lot yeah and ended up being a supplier issue they yep. weren't communicating with us that one of their machines or something yeah. was down so they couldn't give us the order that we had that we had uh yeah that we had that we had, that we yeah, had placed they didn't give us the full order and they told us that the rest would be on its way but they didn't communicate that until we received the order and we found out that wait we were supposed to get you know a thousand yeah, but yeah, we yeah. really only got 20 what happened and uh, that's when they told us oh the machine broke and this and it's like why didn't you tell us that a month ago right. because here we are selling these products thinking we're going to be able to fulfill them next week because we have the order arriving yeah. this week and then nothing, basically nothing so we have up. thousands of customers expecting yeah. a product yeah. that hasn't shipped and we have no immediate probably for christmas because it's black friday exactly so i took an emergency flight over to china to meet with the owner of this factory and talk about it and all this stuff and during this ish we had one of our customer service reps have a mental breakdown um, because she's answering all these emails and all these people are yelling at her so she quits you were you doing customer service in Canada, in still Canada at that point? Yeah. yeah. So it was someone um, actually in Canada who was doing our CS, and it was just very overwhelming. She was going through a tough time anyway. Mm-hmm. And then um, all of this was happening where customers were like, Where's my product? Where's my product? And we didn't have an answer for her. And so she didn't have an answer. And she is a perfectionist, really wants to make sure that, and she does, she did right. an amazing job all year. And so for her, it was very frustrating that she was working with us and we weren't able to give her the tools she needed to do a good job. So Shane hopped on a plane, she quit. I'm answering emails, but also... And how many were we getting? Wasn't it like an email every 30 seconds or something? Yeah, it was like we were getting hundreds a day. I think it was every 30 seconds we were getting an email. And then Shane was in China FaceTiming (laughs) me, and him and I are talking, and then I'm sending them projections of what we're losing, because then at that point, we just want to make it right by the customer. We're in a business. So we are not only refunding them for their order, we're offering them a free gift, and we're still telling them that they're going to get the product that they ordered with, because we wanted to make sure that we weren't going to hurt all of these potential customers that could be with us for a long term just because we were let down by our supply chain and so we were trying to do everything to go above and beyond we were offering expedited shipping all of this we ended up basically all of the money that we made on black friday we ended up losing because we had to pay for the lawyer retainer and then comping shipping for people which we still have to pay for with our warehouse giving free products comping orders doing all of that just to make it right by those people right and yeah. so and so yeah so you're were we are we saying who are you getting sued by at this point yeah we can say yeah. it yeah yeah so who are you getting sued by 
I just, color image apparel <laughs> color image apparel which is an umbrella company for aloe yoga right yeah, yeah. So massive company. Massive. So we've yeah. lost. So we've yeah. made all these sales. Then our supplier kind of screws us over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We screwed ourselves over taking ownership of not communicating yep. enough with them. Yep. And then can't get everybody these products that they just bought. Refunding everybody. And mm-hmm. Aloe Yoga still wants all the money, money that back. we made, yeah. which yeah. we didn't actually make. Made. <laughs> yeah. 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 Back from this. Right. That's the fucking issue that we're dealing with. Right. Just so yeah. many, so much stuff yeah. hitting the fan. And it's like, are you incorporated at this point? Or you are you s- incorporated? Okay, thank yeah. God. Yeah. yeah. But still, but right? still, like, it still sucks. Just, but it's like it could have been a year building yeah. this brand and building yeah. this business, and it's like all of this could be over. And that is something that we said. We're like, you know what? Worst case scenario, we just open a new business tomorrow because we've been through it. But at the same time, you invest all of this time no, you don't wanna, into it that you don't want to yeah. do that. Also, a corporation doesn't it doesn't fully protect you. Like you're still personally liable for. Yeah you know, the corporation at this point, you're not yeah. just, you can't just like, Oh, see you later. Right. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> you know, right. still coming after you. And we took a loan from my parents to yeah. buy more inventory. Yeah. So we, we were also in debt right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> to my and parents you're, and you're getting like, it wasn't sued. a bank. It was yeah. my parents yeah. that could, that now know where we're get fucked over and now have a, a, officer yeah. of the law whoever the guy is that serves me i'll never forget that you got served i got yeah, served so what ended up happening so we'll backtrack a little bit before we get to that point so what ended up happening is our lawyer responded to them telling them you know what we don't think that this um this will stand up in court because we actually ended up becoming lawyers ourselves and doing a lot of research <laughs> we had to hire an investigator to work with the lawyer and what we found were the grounds that we could argue the suit on was prior art and obviousness, which are right. two things in law. So the prior art means that this item or this image existed before they even had a patent on it, right. before their patent was issued. And so something that actually happened in the US a long time ago that people don't realize is like in the early 2000s, people were just applying for patents and they were giving them to everyone. What ended up happening is a lot of people were getting patents to basic algorithms and then suing bigger companies like Facebook and Google saying that you're right. infringing on my patent, so pay me all this money. And so then what happened was a lot of people were applying to have patents rejected and, or like re, um, reevaluated and then they were getting canceled because they found that the patent should have never been issued in the first place. So we approached it with the sense of there's enough prior art and obviousness that if anyone looked at this design, they would be like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And so we argued it that there was there was that level and that they should never have received the patent in the first place. They didn't like our response, so they took it to the next level and actually filed suit. Yeah, so that, that's a really good point is it wasn't like we looked at you know, what their, their patent was that yeah. they had and, and didn't feel that it was legitimate. We had felt like, like what we said before, of this is a style that was around quite a lot yeah. in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. And they've basically taken that style, did some small tweaks to it and then patented it so nobody else could do it. Exactly. And I always say like the analogy is kind of like a brim on a hat or a hood on a hoodie. Yeah. Like to get a patent on that is just ridiculous. Right. Yeah. And I, I, we were looking at it the same way where this really isn't fair. This mm-hmm. first, this isn't fair competition to be able to patent something yeah. like that. What it was, was it was two things that go together and then they just, and then we just sewed them together. So it's right. a style. So like, right. imagine if you wore a shirt with a pair of pants, but then you just decide I'm going to sew the shirt onto the pants and make a bodysuit. I think it's more like, you know, those, uh, you know, those sweaters that when you buy them, they'll have like a fake shirt underneath. Yeah. yeah. It's more like that. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So it's like, yeah. yes, I wear a t-shirt under my, my sweater. sweater. And now, I'm just going to sew it together yeah. so that there's, and then it was that, that we were saying there's a level of obviousness here that anyone could look at it and be like, why don't I just sew the two pieces two. together? Right. 
And so that was our argument. And then they actually ended up coming back and not liking our response to that's when they filed suit. So that's well, yeah, the day like, that Shane got served. Right. And so this is a company too that it just has tons of legal resources, tons exactly. of cash to burn. And like yeah. realistically, they probably just want to like squash you more exactly. than they want to. Oh, of you course. Know? Absolutely. Yeah. Because but, they knew that our argument was valid because our lawyer thought it was valid. We firmly believed it was valid. And the minute that we got the cease and desist, we thought it was a joke. We looked at it and we were like, how could you have gotten a patent, patent for this? Yeah. Like, like Jane Fonda, this was her outfit of choice in her work videos in the 80s how is it that you're going to say that this was an original idea and that's right. what a patent is when you're receiving a patent that's saying that you created an original idea that this did not exist before you also right. there was other companies we found yeah. selling so, that exact yeah. same product before they did literally that was across the, the street from art. the aloe store in santa monica when we were there meeting our lawyer <laughs> we were doing some shopping in santa monica and we looked at one of us the stores the storefront and they had this particular <laughs> like, in the window and we looked across the street and, we were like, and they're suing us us in Canada? <laughs> yeah. And um, then not even like currently, like there was people a long time ago that right. we found yeah. that were selling it. So and so you got started. Let's go back to you. So how, how, how was, where were you? How was that? That was great. It was an awesome experience. <laughs> I was, I was home and <laughs> what's the movie with uh, Seth Rogen, Seth Rogen, where he serves people and he dresses up in the costumes and everything. I don't know. You don't know. Uh, is it Pineapple Express? His job was to serve people. So he'd dress up like a doctor and then he'd serve a doctor <laughs> and like disguise himself because <laughs> oh okay. you have to accept it for it to be valid. Right. 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 You can't so just be like, fuck off. No, like you have to actually accept the serve to be served. Okay. Yeah. So people would, so there's like people trying to Run get away. around. You need, you need yeah. to like, you need, what, what is the, what is an acceptance that like you hold it? Like, and thank you. Yeah. And I yeah. can't remember if I signed something. I might've, I might've yeah, signed something. Yeah. They had to like, sometimes they take a photo showing that you've actually received it or you have to mm-hmm. sign for it. And so, because that's when the time clock ticks of exactly. like, now you have a court date once you get yeah. it served. Yeah. So, you, so okay. you, have, you have a court date, you have to yeah. appear in court. Good to know. Before that. Yeah. yeah. So, so this guy shows up on my doorstep and uh, I'm looking out the window and I see a guy pull up and I, his is like Ontario on his yeah. car and he pulls up and I'm like, yeah, that guy looks, looks a little suspicious. I'm not going to answer this door. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and then he goes away and then like the next day he comes back and I wasn't home alone. My mom was there. So yeah. she goes and answers the door and I'm like, okay <laughs> we're done and I remember Shane called me so I was actually at my day job I stepped out and he was like the guy's at the door do I take the door and then all of a sudden your mom is in the background being like Shane oh yeah, so like, okay it's I on. mean if, if I was by myself I think I would have been a little more like yeah. shitting my pants but yeah. my mom was right there and I owed her a lot of money yeah. from this company she had invested in this company right so I had to I had to assume this this stature of like yeah. I've got this handled. Mm-hmm. I yeah. know this was coming. We've, we've got this handled, which we did. Yeah. Even though I was shitting my pants, I didn't show it. And I think I convinced myself that I could handle this yeah. situation. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was scary, obviously, but I, you know, like I, I, I took it. I'm like, I got this. Don't mm-hmm. worry, mom. Like I, I understand what's going on here. She's like, should I be worried? I'm like, no, I've got yeah. it. Yeah. And it kind of convinced myself of it at the same time. Yeah. So, so yeah. tell me about a little bit about that because I know that we've talked about it a bit too. I don't know if you told Zach about it, but that really put a strain on your relationship with you and your parents too, right? Because they were constantly asking you, how's it going? And you didn't want to tell them like, oh, fuck us. Like, so you were just like, it's go- it's okay. We have it handled. But didn't it make you pull back a little bit from them? Because it, Yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah. I wouldn't say it put a strain on our relationship. I mean, my parents have like an awesome relationship. We've never had a strain on it, mm-hmm. but you know, I didn't like the fact that I was putting them at risk. Yeah. So I like, I projected that out to them. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. when, when they'd ask me how things were going, I'd get all frustrated. Yeah. And oh, I, I can see that. Like even for like little things, my parents asked me like, how's, let's just say I had like a bad day in business. My parents yeah. are like, how's everything? And I'm just like, 
you just don't want to. You're just like, yeah. I don't want to talk about it. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. like I can imagine getting sued is like ten times that. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't. Want, no. Especially when we owe the money that we can't pay. Exactly. Right. You know? And, and yeah. so I felt so bad, and I was just so guilty that I owed them so much money, and I was yep. putting them at risk. Yeah. It was just like such an awful, awful feeling, like to the yeah. point where. It was all I was thinking about. Yeah. It took. I had no creativity. Literally, all I was thinking about was how I owed my parents all this money. I was getting sued by a billion-dollar company, yeah. and I had never done this before. Yeah. And you know, I, yeah, it was it was a bad situation. Right? I couldn't sleep, couldn't do anything, couldn't work effectively. Yeah. Um, it, it, it helped because I was ov- like constantly looking into things. Yeah. They constantly like, what is design patent? Yeah. What is all the constituents of it? Mm-hmm. You know, where does it not make sense? This is the one that they got? Yeah. Is it actually valid? Is it not? What actions should be taking? So I got v- super involved in the yeah. process. That's where we basically became lawyers. And like, that's where <laughs> knowledge is power. So we were advising our lawyer at the timing, like, so we found this and we found this and yeah, he's like, yeah. great, send it all over. And basically at that point we had a court date set and we were like, okay, we are going to do one more kind of Hail Mary. We're going to lay everything out for them. And then either they're going to drop the suit or we have to be prepared to go to litigation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that was the time where both of us were just researching everything. We had a document together of like images and video references where we could find all of this prior art, anything that fell into prior art or obviousness. And I think we ended up having 15 counts of prior art mm-hmm. something yeah. like that of just examples of other companies selling this design right. before they had even uh, received their patent in I think 2013 or 2014 and so sent all of that over and then we just held our breath for about a month until we heard back from them yeah I think a big piece of advice I'd give anybody going through a similar situation or just anything that feels overwhelming mm-hmm. um, I was listening to like an old Conor McGregor motivational video. And he was talking about, you know, the fact that he was going into the fight game and nobody supported him yeah. and everybody was doubting him and he wasn't doing well at the time. And he just said, he's got to work through it. Yeah. Just, just work through it. Yeah, that's, that's not really, so you were just on, you're just, you're just in the morning at night, yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, headphones just on, taking a shit, just work yeah. through it. Just work yeah. through it. And, uh, <laughs> so that, I think that was a good piece of advice. I yeah. You just got to work through it. Just yeah. obsess over the problem, yeah. work through it, get as much information as you can. Cause that will put your mind at ease yep. where, you know, you're doing everything possible to fix the situation. Exactly. That was what I think mm. got us through it. Yeah. Just like work through it. You're overwhelmed. Yep. There's so much shit hitting the fan. Work through it. Yep. Just keep grinding through it. You'll yep. get through it eventually. And I think we both had the mentality of like fuck this we are not going down right. like we are going to fight and even if we, it depletes all of the limited resources <laughs> that we had at the time we are like we're going to do it because yeah. we know that we're right and we just saw it as this really big company that should never have had that patent to begin with let's be right. real and they were just trying to destroy all of the little competition it was almost offensive it's like you guys are already so big there's enough that you know there's right. enough for all of us to be successful it's like your our success does not diminish the amazing business that you've created right. so let us be successful in our way and it was almost offensive that they were just looking to squash small businesses and like that's what they thought of of startups and and people just trying to make a name for themselves is that they thought that they could just throw their money at it and squash them so i don't right. think that they were expecting us to have as much fire as we did right. because once we received it we were like you know what we're up to the challenge let's do it like bring it on mm-hmm. And we actually ended up getting uh, them to drop the suit right? because of all of the investigative work that we had done, all of the knowledge that we had. We just went in very confidently. We sent everything to our lawyer. Mm-hmm. He responded. And it was probably about a month later that we heard back. Uh, Shane actually got an email and he called me and I was at work and he asked, he's like, did you check your email yet? And I was like, no, what's up? Like, and he's like, 
okay, I'm just going to tell you. And I remember, I still remember I was standing in the kitchen of our old office building and I was looking outside at the trees and I was like, this is either it. We either have lost everything. And they said that they're going to litigation and we're literally going to have to take out another loan, which we had just finished paying his parents back for the first loan. We're like, we're going to have to take out another loan to pay for this or we're just going to have to call it a day. What are we going to do? Like, it was nice while it lasts. And he goes, they dropped the suit. And yeah. I remember like falling to my knees being like, oh my God, <laughs> no way. And it's like, yeah. we live another day. <laughs> and that's all we kept saying is we live another day. We live another day. It's another day. And at that point, then you're so high. You just crash and you're like, I don't even know what I'm going to do tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This big yeah. problem that consumes all of you yeah. is over. So what did you guys do after? I, I cried on my yeah. bed for yeah. a while. I, I actually like took the fetal position in my office. And I was just like, everyone was like, are you okay? And I was like, I just need five minutes. And I was like, I don't even know what to do. Like it was, we ended up going out for dinner and drinks that night. And like, we like had yeah. our little celebration. It was like a very minimal dinner. Cause we did still owe people money. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't like, we were popping bottles by yeah, any yeah. means. There was just so much on the line. Yeah. It was just, yeah. And I'll never forget reading that email and just yeah. bursting out into tears and yeah. just like yelling hysterically at yeah. the same time. Like never been so elated. And it before. was probably <laughs> March where it all got resolved. And so this had been going on. Right. Think about it. We got this letter and it all started in like October, all of those sleepless nights. Like that's just all that's on your mind. All of these sales, you're doing your income tax in the new year and you're just like, oh, this could be like <laughs> negative. I'm like, don't know. Yeah. Um, and you're doing all those things. And so it didn't clear up until March mm. and it was just, yeah. Looking looking back at it, I'm definitely 100% grateful for it. Oh yeah. Because I think the more adversity you can successfully come through, the earlier in your life, the better. Yeah, because absolutely. now I, you know, I have friends that get cease and desist letters who are panicking. Mm -hmm. I have, you know, we have other big problems that we face in our business, yeah. but it's now with a thicker skin. Exactly. Like the problems can be just as big and hopefully bigger. Yeah. Like we want to overcome bigger problems, yeah. but now we're, we're going into it with a thicker skin that we built. And it puts everything into perspective as well. So like you look at things and you can have the perspective of like, oh, these bad things happened to me and it's so hard, but you can also look at it as like, this is just going to make me better. It's another challenge that I get to overcome that someone else doesn't get to go right. through. Like we're really lucky because now whatever comes up, it's small potatoes compared to what we've already been right, through. Right. And so I see that as, you know, really a blessing that we get to experience that because that's only going to make us a bigger force to be reckoned with, with whatever else we end up going, right. we end up doing in our careers. Right. So I know Shane's told me this story once before and he said, mm -hmm. so you said that you had the Conor McGregor in your ear for, for months, but then also you said meditation was like a huge thing that mm -hmm. got you through it. Do you want to like dive into that? I feel like it'd be valuable. Yeah, so like there, there's a, there's a good book called the mind illuminated mm -hmm. and it's written by a neuroscientist who spent time learning and being involved um, and integrated with Eastern culture. So you, there's a lot of woo woo that goes along with meditation that people don't really understand. So he kind of merged those two worlds of the scientific approach and then some of like the ancient archaic wisdom around mm -hmm. it and distilled it down to like a textbook guide on how to meditate. So mm -hmm. at the time I, I was reading through that and it was, it, I think one of the biggest parts was that it was empowering because I find, I found a way to get my mind still in a time where I was just so out of control. Mm -hmm. Like right. it, it showed that no matter how bad things get, like I still have control over my state, no matter what's going on, yeah. because I could still sit for 20 minutes and have nothing on my mind mm. other than the breathing exercise I was focused on. Yeah. So it, it was a big empowering thing where it's like you control your state. You're, mm -hmm. you're never at the whim of somebody else or circumstances happening. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was, I was able to get myself calm enough to be able to deal with the situation level-headedly. Yeah. So I, I'd say that that was a big part. I, meditation, it's one of those things where it's, I, I don't practice it as often as I did then. It, it was kind of born out of necessity, but 
it's whether or not I still use meditation, it was empowering to know that you control your state, mm-hmm. mm. you know, and it doesn't matter what else is going on. So that was a big one. Yeah. Did you have anything through all of it? That yeah, was like it was yoga, which right. started around the time that the company had started was that's how I felt like I had control over my, my emotions again, was just practicing having a regular yoga practice and same thing, really focusing on where I was putting my breath in my body and knowing that I controlled my reaction to everything. And so our first year in business, I actually got a certificate from the yoga studio that I had practiced over 200 times that year. Yeah. So it was crazy. Like some days I was going in the morning and in the evening because I felt like that's what I needed Mm -hmm. to give myself the power and strength to get through. So I was doing a regular yoga practice, which I don't do as much as I should now. Um, but at the time that's what carried me through very Mm -hmm. similar, you know, just focusing on my breath and where I was putting my thoughts and what I was allowing to influence my body and the way I reacted to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I think it would be interesting to go over some of the business lessons that we took away. Yeah. Not, not just personal. Um, even good for us to review because there was a ton and our business changed drastically because Mm -hmm. of that. We took some different actions. I think, I mean, one of them was, you know, we, we had designs that, you know, we didn't fully own and we wanted to make sure that we were always, you know, designing our own stuff and that we had really good things we could be confident in that nobody else was going to try to take a piece of. Mm -hmm. So we hired a designer and we built a good design team and started pumping out a lot of really cool designs and good stuff. Yeah. So that, I think that was a big takeaway. Um, another, another one, um, was don't have a single point of failure with your products because this was all centered around one product. Yeah is something it's really hard to grasp too because when you're in it and you have one product that's really popping off you feel like well why would I invest resources in something else and it's the same thing don't put all of your eggs in one basket and so when the time came we felt like okay well now the business is going to crash because we don't have that one big seller but you know what we ended up finding something else and we found other things that people love and for me the biggest takeaway is you should always be designing new things things are going to work and they're going to flop or sorry some things are not going to work and they're going to flop and other things are going to take off and they're going to your new number one but you shouldn't just have a number one you should have top five top ten the things that are always going to be carrying you through otherwise you won't be successful when something like this does happen because like eventually something will always kind of happen that Mm -hmm. will try and steer you off your course is you have to be prepared to fight the fight and so being more diverse and where you're placing your your resources is really important Absolutely. And like owning the process yourself, not ever saying or not ever letting anyone say that you wouldn't be where you are because you took this design or you did this or you relied on someone else's work. It's like, no, we wanted to know that all the work that we were putting in was unique and that no one could ever come and take that away from us Mm. again. Yeah. So that, that, that was a big thing, not having a single point of failure. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, the other thing is, our manufacturers making sure that we were building a better relationship so that because during this time, as we had said, um, we were let down by our manufacturers and not receiving the product. And that almost, you know, even if we weren't getting sued at the time, that could have sunk our business was we're very lucky that customer service was always a priority for us, but even understanding how important customer service is. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of customers that didn't want refunds and they said they would wait for their products because we were quick to respond. We were quick to fix the problem. And as a company, when you're 
doing B2C and you're directly dealing with a consumer, they need to be happy because they're the first to tell people when they're unhappy, but they're also the first to tell people when they're happy and when a company can be trusted. Mm -hmm. And so making sure that you're always trustworthy, transparent, open, and honest with your consumer is really important. And then also making sure that same thing with your manufacturer is that you're constantly communicating. So there's no confusion. You have to have eyes on every area of your business. Yeah. Cool. I think with, with a lot of e-commerce entrepreneurs, like it's 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 kind of a common theme and quite concerning mm-hmm. is that people don't they don't own their manufacturing process. Yeah. Like they kind of leave that up to somebody else and yeah. just really focusing on the marketing. And I think mm-hmm. something that's differentiated us from a lot of other people in the e-commerce space yeah. who've started up in the past five or so years is, you know, w- when we find a new supplier, we go to China and build a relationship with them exactly. or China or wherever we're, we're manufacturing yep. a product. Mm-hmm. We always go there and build mm-hmm. a relationship with them yeah. because our supplier told us that they didn't tell us their machine was broken because they were scared to tell us. Yeah. They didn't know what we were going to say. Mm-hmm. And if we had, you know, maybe a better relationship with them, they would have known to come to us with something exactly. like that. Um, so that was a big takeaway that we've done. And, and I think we yeah. followed up really, really well on it, you know, yeah. um, is making sure that we're always involving them. Yeah. And the same thing with our warehouse as well. So we don't own our warehouse, but we work with a third party and it's the same thing. We, I have a weekly call and they know everything. They, they have too much information. Sometimes mm-hmm. I tell them things that they don't need to know, but I would rather them know, Hey, I placed an order. We're going to be getting it in three to four months, but I just want you to know, I placed an order today so you can expect a shipment. I'll update you when it ships right. and all that. And they're like, okay, great. Because now they know when things are coming, they know that they have to have the extra staff available to unpack and that, orders are going to increase because we have stuff coming in and it's just making sure that everyone who is involved in your company has all of the information whether it's in their domain or not at the end of the day you're all sales reps and you're all you're all in charge of responding to the customer and being held accountable by the customer and so we want to make sure that everyone that works with us has that information so they're empowered as well right i I think too it's like um building up personal relationships that can be leveraged, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like mm-hmm. It, the more you can build a personal, personal relationship, the, the bigger that fulcrum is that yeah. you can pull when you really fucking need it. Right. Like yeah. I think yeah. that's, that's like a huge thing as, it's as massive. well. Yeah. 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 It's massive. Yeah. Cause so we're all just people, right. And people yeah. work with people. So it's exactly. at the end of the day, like if, if it's between you and someone else and like yeah. you've had like two years of like, just, you know, dropping in nice mm-hmm. courtesies and stuff like yeah. that. It, people it can helping mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Was yeah. there any other business lessons that you would have, that you would write in an autobiography from this experience? Always open your mail (laughs) right away. Don't postpone it. Um, That's a big one. And then I think the biggest thing is if you think it's wrong or if you have to ask permission, I know that's such a cliche. It probably is. So like we were looking at it we were like, oh, like, do we sell this item? And then we're like, yeah, fuck it. Like what's the worst that can happen? Let's sell the item. Yeah. And then it's like, okay. Like in (laughs) hindsight, um, maybe maybe just like do your research at the beginning it's great that we did our research midway while all this was happening we realized you know we're actually not in the wrong um but it probably would have been good to do that research beforehand yeah yeah Mm -hmm. lots of good takeaways for people it's a great story yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) at the end of the day it's a great story i hope that it helps someone but i also hope that it doesn't because i i I mean i hope that they don't don't yeah they don't have to go through this yeah yeah. yeah, I hope that you're not but, Google but you searching will, you how will to get be tested. <laughs> you will be tested as an entrepreneur, and it's yeah. like I think it's a it's a part of a big picture of how bad do you want it. Yeah, because people, every, you know, a lot of people have a quit zone that's too early on. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's just life testing you how big of a success do you want to be. And you know what, we're about to hit three years uh, as a business, and I mean, we absolutely could have given up a million times over, but we didn't. Mm-hmm. So I think that speaks to you know our grit and our dedication to just getting shit done. Yeah. yeah. 
I think that's a good place to, to wrap it up. It's a great story. Sure. And uh, hopefully you'll have a good Black Friday and no, <laughs> no lawsuits yeah. after. Yeah, bless. Black Friday is on its way. It's on yeah, its way. It Facebook gods it. be with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Start doing your Facebook ads, rain dances. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a, an intense time of year. Yeah. yeah. So what, okay, before, before we wrap things up, Misha, now this is your third, Black is it your third? third yeah, Black it's Friday, your third yeah. Black Friday. What what are, what would you give advice to? Because this is Zach's first Black Friday okay. in e-commerce space. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, what what advice would you give to him? Do not launch products the week of Black Friday. The biggest <laughs> thing. Have all of your stuff done. I'm pretty sure you guys are on track with this. Yeah. Um, so 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 ish. you. Can, I think it's okay to launch them, but you can't be okay. Be working on launching yeah. them. Yeah, 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 yeah. All, the, all the work has to be done, done beforehand. So what I mean is, they should already be in Shopify, just not <laughs> active on the website yet. Right, right. Yeah. Don't be editing photos on Black Friday <laughs> so you can upload it to right, a product page. Right. So it's yeah, it's okay to launch. Sorry, but like all of the prep should be done by the beginning of November don't be placing an order in November for your inventory Mm -hmm. if anything we we didn't even start early enough and we started in August we made our first plan in August of what we have to get done by Black Friday next year I would say we should be starting in June Um, okay I think it's a good analogy for that a piece of advice is is the the wolf of Wall Street cleaning the fishbowl on new issue yeah that's that's the issue so many people clean the The fishbowl yeah so many people like I just have to edit this picture for for Black Friday no 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 no, no. No, no, no. on new issue day (laughs) it's too late it's too late at this point you're just uh, making sure that the site doesn't crash and you're getting through you got to focus on high level problems you can't can't be getting caught up in majoring in minor things are the ads working are customer service emails coming through are Mm -hmm. people able to purchase those are the big things Um, all of the prep should be well and done well before the beginning of November I'd also say like make sh- like this is the most fruitful time of yeah. year to anybody. So it's yeah. like make sure your focus is all in this. Yeah, it's not in something else because no. a month from now it's all two weeks from now it's all going to be over and then yeah. you can focus on other things. Exactly. You know, and like this what, is what the time. What projects to grind. can wait? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's high priority now and what's what can be put on hold until after the new year? Right. Yeah. Awesome. That's yeah. good. Okay. Good well, fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Awesome. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, our pleasure. Woo! All right. That's it. We'll have you on another time. Maybe we'll do a post-Black Friday debrief or something. In Lebanon. Talk about lawsuit, too. (laughs) See you in Beirut, bitches. All right.